This is a case from a Denkolok doge. The case. <clears throat> Dogen studied with Zen master Ju Ching. Once during meditation sitting late at night, Ju Ching said to the assembly, Zen study is shedding off body and mind. Hearing this, Suddenly, Dogen was greatly enlightened. Next day, he went right into the abbot's room and lit an incense. Ju Ching asked him, What are you burning incense for? Dogen said, Body and mind shed. Shed body and mind. Ju Ching said, Shed body and mind. Shed body and mind. Body and mind are shed. Dogen said, This is a temporary byway. Do not approve me arbitrarily. Juchin said, I am not. Dogen said, What is it which is not given arbitrarily approval? Juchin said, Shedding body and mind. Dogen bowed. Du Ching said, the shedding is shed. Kazan's verse. Clear as pure light, no inside or outside. Is there any body or mind to be shed? So, since we are going to study Dogen's, Dogen's famous writing, Shobogenzo, the Genjo Koan, and I would like to uh, talk a little bit about Dogen and uh, bring us up to all to the same page. A little bit about the historical background of Dogen. And using this con, this case, to bring up his moment of realization. Actually, what led to that moment of realization. So, Dogen was born in, Ch in uh, Japan in 1200, in Kyoto. He was born into an arist aristocratic family and from an early age was educated in Chinese and Japanese classical literature, poetry, and history, and was very enthusiastic about his studies. So he was a scholar from early age. Now he lost his father when he was two years old, and then when he was seven, his mother died. And he said that these two experiences greatly shaped the beginning of his spiritual journey. Primarily the death of his mother as he was more cognizant of the great loss. On her deathbed, Dogen's mother urged him to become a Buddhist monk and to strive to relieve human suffering. And it sounded like a huge responsibility for a seven-year-old to hear from his mother who's dying. And it is said that in the midst of his profound grief, Dogen experienced 
the impermanence of all things as he watched the rising smoke of the burning incense during his mother's funeral service. Later on, as a searching monk and as a teacher, he would repeatedly emphasize the intimate connection between the desire for awakening and the intimate awareness of impermanence. In other words, the realization or the, re the simple recognition of impermanence, if we truly look at it, can deepen, can raise bodhicitta and deepen our resolve, realizing it is urgent. There is no time to lose. In one of his later texts, he wrote, having a transient life, you should not engage in anything other than the way or the practice of the way. When he was 14, Dogen ordained and became deeply engaged in Buddhist studies. Now, as he got more involved in Buddhist doctrine, he began to ponder a question that would later on fuel his journey to China. While still a teenager and a novice in the practice, he wrote, as I study both the exoteric and esoteric schools of Buddhism, they maintain that human beings are endowed with Dharma nature by birth. If this is the case, why did the Buddhas of all ages, undoubtedly in possession of enlightenment, found it necessary to seek enlightenment and engage in spiritual practice? Essentially what he was asking is that if you are a Buddha from birth, then why bother searching for? Why do we have to engage in practice? So he brought this question up to the abbot, and nobody at the monastery was able to give him a satisfactory answer. And so when the abbot resigned, Dogen left the monastery and brought this question to another teacher by the name Koyin at Onjoji Temple. However, Cohen also was not, able, was not able to answer the question and referred him to Isa, a young teacher who just returned from China and was engaged in establishing a Rinzai temple. And later, Dogen described his quest and wrote, as a result of the desire for enlightenment which was first aroused in my mind through the awareness of impermanence of existence, I traveled extensively to various places and finally, having descended Mount Hie to practice the way, settled at Kenjiji Temple. Until then, I have met neither. He was not able to meet somebody who was able to answer the question. Also was not able to settle the question through his own practice. He then wandered for about three years at different temples and eventually settled down at KNG Temple to study with his new teacher, Myose, who was a successor of Esa. Dogen was 17 at the time. So after spending about six years 
as a close student of Miozen, he felt that his original question was still left unanswered and decided to go to the birthplace of Zen, China. So at the age of 23, Dogen, his teacher Miozen, and a few other monks embarked on a three months long boat ride to China. The journey was quite rough back then, three months on a boat. And as soon as they arrived, Myozen, his teacher, got involved in a local monastery, went in, began studying. Tiantun Monastery. But Dogen decided that he wants to explore other options. He wants to travel to other monasteries before deciding on where would he commit to practice. So he, he stayed on the boat. While he was still there, on the boat, he met an old monk who was the Tenzo, the head cook of another monastery, who came by to buy some Japanese mushrooms. Dogen was intrigued by his presence and engaged in a deep spiritual conversation with him. After some time, the Tenzo said, he had to go back to the monastery to cook for the monks. And Dogen said, there must be other monks who, are, who can prepare food. Why are you doing this difficult work at your age? And the Tenzo said, this is the practice of, an old, of my old age. How can I leave it to others? How can I leave to others that which I must do? And Dogen said, venerable monk, why must an old man like you do this exhausting work instead of reading sutras and studying the Dhamma? The Tenzo burst into laughter and said, My young friend from overseas, you seem to know very little of the meaning of the practice and teaching of Buddhism. Perhaps you do not understand what is the practice of the way nor what words and letters are. He then left quickly and went back to the monastery. After this encounter, Dolin was left looking at his practice, looking at what he has done with it up to that moment, and decided that it is time to enter formal practice. So some months later, at that monastery where he was practicing, he came across the old Tenzo again, the guy he had a conversation with. And the two picked up the discussion exactly where they left it off. So Dogen asked, what are words and letters? And the Tenzo said, one, two, three, four, five. What is the practice of the way then? Asked Dogen. And the Tenzo answered, Nothing throughout the entire universe is conceived. So I stayed at this monastery and studied under Master Wu Qi. After about two years, Wu Qi died. And then Dogen decided to travel for a year and visit other temples, but was still not able to find a suitable teacher. 
And this was at the time of decline in Zen tradition, after what was known as the golden age of Zen. And apparently it was not easy to find a good teacher who was a true embodiment of the practice. So Dogen began feeling disenchanted with the whole journey and was debating going back to Japan. Before leaving, he wanted to visit his former teacher, Myosen, at Tiantong Monastery. But on the way, he, re he found out that Myosen died. Apparently, Myosen got sick on the journey from Japan. And uh, his state, his uh, physical state, became worse and worse all the time, and he died suddenly. deeply saddened by the news of losing a dear friend, obviously. And then as he was traveling, not knowing exactly what to do, he met an old monk who told him about a well-known teacher by the name Ju Ching, who was recently appointed as the abbot of Tiantong Monastery. And that old man urged Dogen to go see him. So in 1225, he was 25 years old. Dogen met with Chu Jing and finally felt that he found the teacher he was looking for. It is said that the two of them established a deep connection from the first encounter, and Chu Jing welcomed Dogen like a long lost son and told him that he could visit his quarters at any time and ask any questions. And Dogen later wrote about this vital importance of a deep connection between a teacher and a student. And even went so far to say that unless you have a solid bind with a teacher, you better not study at all. And in describing what he felt a Zen teacher should be like, Dogen wrote, A right teacher is one who, regardless of old age or stature, comprehends the right Dharma clearly and receives the certification of a true teacher. He or she gives no precedence to words and letters or to intellectual understanding. With an unusual ability and an extraordinary willpower, he or she neither clings to self selfishness nor indulges in sentimentality. He or she is the, is the individual in whom living and understanding complement one another. Living and understanding complement one another, which connects very well to what the Tenzo told him. Not separating what we understand and the way we live. And this is exactly what Dogen found in Jujin who was an embodiment of someone who is totally devoted to manifesting the Dharma in a most direct way. And through his teachings, Juching emphasized Zazen as the most important and vital aspect of Buddhist practice. And he viewed all other practices, all other aspects of practices secondary to Zazen. And he kept his disciples on a very rigorous schedule waking up at 2.30 in the morning and devoting a big chunk of the day to Zazen. Think about that. 
2.30 in the morning, every day, to do zazen. Hours on end. So the koan, this koan I brought up here, you know, this talk, is from the Denkoroku, which is a collection of summarized biographies of important teachers in our lineage, beginning with the Buddha and all the way to Ejo, who was Dogen's successor. And those cases are taken as koans. Usually, they bring up an encounter with the preceding teacher and the disciple's experience of awakening. Some chapters are longer than others, but it's a book that uh, serious practitioners encounter years into practice and work on it as a koan book, as koan study. So in this story of Dogen's experience of awakening, during that time the monks were sitting together late at night. And what prompted Jujin to say what he said was that one of the monks started to doze off. So Jujin saw that and said abruptly, in Zazen, it is imperative to cast off body and mind. How could you indulge in sleeping? And when Dogen heard that, he suddenly had a deep experience of awakening. Of course, for us, this sounds harsh, maybe ascetic in nature, or denial of basic human needs. In fact, Dogen later wrote that during the time he trained under Juchin, he thought that he may get sick as a result of the tough practice and poor conditions at the monastery and even die. But although he wasn't physically very strong, he did not become ill and was able to transcend the self-grasping mechanism. And in this awakening experience, he was finally able to give rest to the original nagging question that brought him to China in the first place. In other words, his practice answered his question. Not his idea of practice, but the heart of it. Also, what he brought to practice is this uh, this relentless devotion to a point that if I die, I die. I die practicing. I die searching for it. And this is very important for us to look at. Right? There's no doubt that Zen training is a process of self-denial. There's no way to get around it. But how do we understand self-denial? What does it really mean? And in self-denial, in practice, it doesn't necessarily mean that we need to expose the body to extreme conditions. But it does mean that we have to have total devotion, total devotion to daily zazen, along with regular exposure to intensify training periods, like what we're doing. 
doesn't cast the sheens on ghosts. And a constant, unwavering commitment to raising awareness, or to keep the finger on the pulse, and to learn to recognize the subtle ways in which the self manifests in the way we think, the way we speak, and the way we act. It means every moment practice. Not just on weekends, not just on Tuesday evening. Every moment. Relentless commitment. So we have to ask, are we practicing this way? So, so to cast off body and mind is simply to stop the self. And strong resolve and Continuity are absolutely key ingredients in any spiritual practice. To want to break through at any cost. Otherwise, we are maintaining a club for meditation. And that's not what we need to do. There are plenty of those. In the book Mystical Realist, Hiji Kim writes, to cast off body-mind does not nullify historical and social existence so much as to put it into action so that it could be the self-creative and self-expressive embodiment of Buddha nature. So it's not rejection. In being cast off, however, concrete human existence was fashioned in a, mo in a mode of radical freedom. By the way, to mess with everything that we think, everything that we have come to agree with, to mess with the most fundamental ideas about the self, about reality, about the world, about this country, about our opinions, to mess with it all. So he says, the mode of radical freedom, purposeless, goalless, objectless, and meaningless. Complete opposite of what we are taught to be, to think, to do. Complete opposite. Do not become anybody. Do not have a goal. Do not have a purpose. Be an idiot. And it says, Buddha nature was not to be enfolded in, but was to folded, to unfold through. So not to be enfolded in, but was to unfold through human activities and expressions. To manifest through human activities and expressions. The meaning of existence was finally freed from 
and authenticated by its all two human conditions only if and when it lived co-eternally with ultimate meaning of ultimate meaninglessness. So only when we align with nothingness we arrive at the source. To align with nothingness, meaninglessness. So to cast off does not mean to deny or reject the provisional details of your existence as a human being in the 21st century in this country. It does not mean to deny anything It also does not mean that does not mean to say that we take off the mask called the self and put on another one called the Buddha. The radical freedom Hiji Kim is referring to can only be experienced when we no longer assign any meaning to the provisional details of our existence. Any meaning. So to Cast off is not to deny, is to cast off the need to identify, to label, to become something, even to become a Buddha. That's why it's so radical. That's why it's so difficult. And to realize that by nature we are, by nature we are purposeless, goalless, objectless, and meaningless. But then again, going back to Dolan's question, right? If we are this way by nature, why do we have to work so hard to experience it? Why does it have to be so difficult? It's not just Dogen's original question. It's actually any, it's, it's any practitioner, any serious practitioner, encounters that and works with that. Well, maybe every practitioner encounters that, but serious practitioners work with that question. Why? Why are we doing this? I asked that question last week at the, at the beginning of the Zazenka. Why are we here? How can you purify that which is already pure? You know, when Dogen's teacher, Zhu Qin, was studying with his teacher, Zhijiang, he asked to be assigned to clean the toilets at the monastery. So Zhijian said to him, how can you clean that which has never been dirty? How can you purify that which has never been defiled? And he said, if you can answer this question, I will allow you to be in charge of cleaning the toilets. 
Now, Zhu Qing did not know how to reply to this and worked on these questions for more than a year. And again, how do we work with koans? How do we work with questions? Think about it. He worked on these questions for more than a year. Probably all the time. And at some point, his teacher must have recognized that he was determined, but yet still stuck, and said to Zhu Qing, Why can't you answer? If you can get, if you can get out of your old nest, you will find a way. If you could get out of your old nest, if you could only leave aside everything you, come, you have come to trust, about yourself, about reality. Put it all aside. Japanese, like this, Japanese Russians like to say, chop off your head, put it aside for a while. Then practice. And ask, what is left when all the thoughts all the concepts, everything I know is cast off. What is left? What else can I experience other than my own thoughts, my own feelings? So if you could get out your old nest, you will find a way. And this helped Eugene become more encouraged. And so he dove deeper into his Zazen. One day he had a great experience of completely dropping away. And he went to his teacher's room and said, I can say it now. Zhi Xiang said, this time, go ahead and say it. And Jujing said, I've hit upon that which is under fire. Now before he was able to finish the sentence, Zhi Xiang hit him. And Zhu broke up in sweat and bowed deeply. And this, Zhu Jiang approved of his realization. Why would he hit it? The student is there expressing it. No doubt, realized something. No doubt, worked on it diligently. Why would he hit him? You know, the self is very tricky. Brilliant at times. Brilliant in how quickly it will put on a new mask. Use anything, even dropping away, can be used as a mask. So he hid it. Yeah. You realize something. Be careful. Watch out. Don't put it on. 
The dropping away must also be dropped away. And this is the same as Zhu Qing saying to Dogen that the shedding of body and mind must also be shed. So what Chu Qing passed on to Dogen was exactly what he experienced. So the casting away needs to be cast away as well, so no extra remains. Oi Suzuki says, to burn off completely, nothing remains behind. Completely, like a good bonfire. And what's amazing about this, this story, the two stories of Dogen's realization and his teacher, and the questions, they're so similar, right? The question that fueled Dogen's spiritual journey, and that which Zhu Qing would wrestle with, different times, while living in different countries, both of them were totally devoted to clarifying why does a Buddha from birth needs to arrive at Buddha. So at the moment of the realization, everything dropped off, including the question. Of course, of course, that's all that was left. Well, we may say, yeah, well, then, you know, after that, when we realize training was not necessary, but it is necessary. Because until we realize it's not necessary, it's absolutely necessary. And discipline. And total devotion and commitment. So after his realization, Nogan went back to Japan only with a transmission document called the Kechimyaku. Actually, this is still used in our tradition, our lineage. Today, I have one, my teacher had one, and on and on and on. You create that document and in a specific way, and during the ceremony, which is very intricate, all the names go on that transmission document, and the teacher recognizes your name, and you recognize the teacher's name on that list. So it becomes an unbroken chain. So we went back with that transmission document, a robe he received from his teacher, plus other, a few other personal items. And he founded Soto Zen in Japan. He was the beginning of Soto Zen in Japan. But unlike other Japanese practitioners who went to China to study and receive transmission, Doge did not bring back sutras or written text. Actually, he went back even more naked than when he left. And he was asked, what did you bring back? And he said, nose is vertical, eyes are horizontal. That's what he brought back from China. 
utterly naked, we realize Buddha. Only utterly naked. What he also brought back is the practice of Shikantaza, which, is, which was developed uh, and passed on by Chujin. Now, Shikantaza, she means only or just. Kan is to manage or to regulate. And Ta means doing wholeheartedly, totally being devoted. Kozai is Zazen, Shikantaza, which in this context means just sitting in pure awareness of the source, of who you are, of what you are, without a goal, without a focus, specific focus, without anywhere else to arrive at, without wanting to become anything. Not to sit for, but to sit as. Buddha. So that's why Buddha said sitting for one minute is a moment or minute of realization. Shikantaza is different than sitting with a koan or breath practice or other ways of skillful practice. Shikantaza is wholeheartedly trusting being a Buddha already. And when we practice Zazen this way, there is nothing to polish or purify. There's nothing to Clarify. There's nothing to do, create. Everything is allowed to come and go freely. How could anything, how could a thing stand obstacle to who we are? How could we not be who we are? And that's the question. What are we doing to draw our attention away from it, not how can we become that? Right? And the answer is any thought, any feeling that we feed, that we go with, that we believe to be true, is already separating us, is already creating a gap. Any thought, good or bad, so when we realize that there's nothing to polish, we can apply ourselves fully to everyday life and be at the service of others, without worrying about its insufficiency, without creating conflicts, without being lost in life and death, without defending, 
Kezan's verse says, clear and pure light, no inside or outside. Is there any body or mind to be shared? When there is no inside and outside, when there is no here and there, when there is no living and arriving, what is there to cast off? What are we letting go of? Shikantaza is a beautiful way to not just experience, but also to express it. Not moving, not going anywhere, sitting in the pure light of your being. Just as it is. Clear as pure light. No inside or outside.